This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 335 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things compliance-related. I'm extraordinarily pleased to announce a new service offering, the Compliance Alliance, which is a three-step program that will provide you and your team a background into compliance and the FCPA so that you can consider how your product or service fits into the needs of a compliance officer. It includes an intensive boot camp training for your ELT or top sales team, sponsorship of a podcast series, and in-person training on specific sales techniques to compliance officers. Interested parties should contact Tom Fox at tfoxlaw.com. That's tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Today I have with me back a good friend of the podcast, Mike Volkoff. Mike Volkoff and I actually take a deep dive into the weeds around blockchain and how blockchain can be used by the compliance profession and compliance professionals going forward. I think it's a fascinating podcast. It's certainly a fascinating topic, and it's something that you, the compliance professional, need to be aware of because it may revolutionize the compliance practice. The episode comes in at around 25 minutes. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Volkoff, you have written about blockchain, and I was a little surprised to see you do it, but I was extraordinarily extraordinarily pleased to see you do it uh, as well. So why don't you tell us how you got introduced to this uh, topic and where you see this going for the compliance officer and the compliance function? Um, well, I, uh, I thanks, Tom, for the opportunity to discuss this with you. I uh, happened to be at a conference that were in Singapore where you, you introduced me to the folks there. And uh, it was a fascinating conference, but one of the presentations was on um, blockchain technology. Uh, IBM representatives were there, and they put on a presentation about how it can be used. Uh, what And IBM, I think, is one of the leading companies in terms of developing the technology. But I was just, I've always wanted to understand it more. Uh, but they did such a great job in the presentation. I was, uh, and they showed the, how this could be, uh, applied specifically, like in sort of supply chain management. And, uh, and the, I, I was so, uh, impressed by it that to me, applying it to in the compliance context is a no brainer. Um, if, uh, now I know there's some issues still and we, there has to be more universal acceptance of the technology and the cost has to come down, but I think it's going to happen eventually. Um, and the idea of having a shared immutable ledger with, uh, with, you know, transactions that cannot be altered are digitally protected um, and cannot be altered. And literally, you can't go in and scribble a, and erase uh, an entry. You add on to just a chain. You add a new block uh, to the chain, and it keeps going on and on and on. The idea of a distributed ledger and the security of it is just fascinating, I think, for compliance practitioners. And I think, and and I'm a real advocate that, you know, I mean, this is on a small scale, Tom, but, you know, I've seen clients and companies that were doing due diligence, you know, through paper, and then they moved to a third, uh, you know, third party platform, all the, you know, products are out there. And lo and behold, they're happy. 
they have much more time to devote to chief compliance officers to other issues. And it showed to me the value of technology and that that's really the future here is not to ask for 100 more bodies, ask for 20 and then a budget that includes um, new technologies. Bit, uh, this, this, and it's used in the Bitcoin application in the Bitcoin service, but it has the potential to me to be revolutionary in terms of auditing, monitoring, and so many other supply chain management that it really could knock the socks off of, uh, you know, exactly, and I don't mean socks by Sarbanes Oxley. But it has the potential to do real, uh, you know, a real good rate service and leverage chief compliance officers. I don't know. What did you What did you think? So, Mike, I guess uh, a couple of things struck me about your article and what you said and where I would really like to take this conversation of on blockchain. The first one is that it creates, uh, as you said, an immutable um, history, meaning it can't be altered. And one of the problems with... Uh, um, spreadsheets in Excel is they can be altered and you don't have a audit, auditable trail. You don't have an audit history. You don't have a change history. You don't have a track change by who made the changes. So it um, certainly opens up that sort of manual recordation uh, is subject to uh, manipulation and fraud. But with blockchain, it's really two parts. It's a transaction uh, not necessarily a financial transaction, really any node of information, as they would call it, and that's the block. And then it's put together in the chain. So that's how you come up with the name blockchain. And I guess I see for the compliance practitioner uh, multiple applications. Uh, you talked about due diligence. And when we in the compliance world talk about third parties, we're largely focusing on ownership. Are we doing business with either a nefarious person or a government official or an employee of a state-owned enterprise hidden through some type of shell corporation or, or other uh, cloud clouding or fogging up of, of ownership structures? That's what we're focused on. And this um, blockchain speaks directly to that. So we would have the opportunity for there's full transparency and ownership uh, that can be audited, that can be looked at, it cannot be changed. So that kind of satisfies one current area of third-party due diligence from the compliance world. But Mike, where I see this going is it's going to give the chief compliance officer and indeed the compliance function just an incredibly uh, much broader way to look at due diligence. So for instance, uh, we can start looking at financial health and financial reporting. You can look at the finances of a company because one of the things blockchain allows you to do is, uh, and a great example uh, I saw was uh, in an article in the MIT Ma uh, Sloan Management Review called Blockchain Explained. It's if, if you go into a um, bar and want to order a drink, you might be asked for your driver's license. Now, I recognize you're not going to be asked for that, nor am I, but there probably are some well, people. I hope, who, we, who, I hope we are. I hope we are. Are carded. <laughs> well, when you're, uh, yeah. and, the, and the bartender is looking for your date of birth to, to make sure that he can legally serve you a drink. But when you show your driver's license, you show a lot of other information. 
So um, height, weight, uh, driver's license number, home address, and those are completely unrelated to the specific inquiry or compliance that bartender is trying to engage in, which is to make sure that you're over the age of 21 or whatever the legal age for drinking is in the state or other jurisdiction you're in. Blockchain allows you to uh, give the specific information or allow a person or a company to view the specific information that they need and not all of the other information. So it satisfies a privacy concern. But when you can look into the financial information, it is exactly as you said. You can see if one, is there an invoice from someone new or different that shouldn't be there, but also you can see the financial health and overall spend of third parties. So if you think about uh, a couple of recent uh, or a couple of FCPA enforcement actions involving Oracle and Mondelez, where they were sanctioned by the SEC for not being able to determine uh, where their uh, distributors in India spent uh, uh, money for marketing. Well, blockchain would give them visibility into that. So you can start to look at the financial aspect of due diligence, which is typically something that is only done through auditing now, So, uh, and which is an expensive, time-consuming, uh, and separate uh, speciality from the chief compliance officer or the compliance function. So it gives you the opportunity to, uh, to take a look at um, the financial side. It certainly would allow you to take a look on the sales side of things uh, to determine uh, who you're selling to, uh, and I bring that up in the light of the this week's announcement by the Department of Justice. They are seeking civil forfeiture uh, against uh, a former Texas-based company called Coastal Industries, uh, or uh, Coastal, and Coastal was bought uh, with money that allegedly came from the one MDB Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund that was stolen from. Oh yeah. And so uh, it's led to me to question, if you're a company now, do you need to do due diligence on the people who are offering to, to buy your company? Not just the people who are selling for you, not just the people you're going into business with as joint venture partners or some other strategic relationship. But what about now? Do you need to, to worry about that? Because Coastal is now being subject to a civil forfeiture action. Now, the government is not asked to take over the company, but they're going to get some or seeking some remedy. And if Coastal um, uh, got money from uh, that was stolen from one MDB that was part of the sales price, that's subject to being forfeited back to the government. So um, it, blockchain could, uh, you know, work towards solving that problem. It could also work towards um, things like in, in human resources. Um, blockchain would enable organizations requiring specialized talent and capability to better obtain information about potential contractors and partners uh, beyond simply okay. the ownership information. Are they properly credentialed? Uh, do they uh, can they deliver the services they say they're going to uh, deliver? All of this information could be available in a transparent manner. Uh, you t also hit on the provenance of uh, certain products or services. I think you used the example of fish, but it, it could easily go to conflict minerals. It could go to um, extractive uh, uh, in energy. Um, I've right. got a, a friend that developed a tool to show the provenance of honey that was imported in the United States to show that it uh, did not come from China. And apparently there's an entire trade ban against Chinese honey coming in the United States for completely different reasons uh, uh, from what a chief compliance officer would normally worry about. But if you can determine the provenance of the uh, services and goods in your supply chain, it could probably 
probably or possibly at least help you from uh, uh, securing both financial fines and penalties for importing uh, goods you couldn't import, but also the huge reputational issues that we've seen U.S. companies have around uh, child labor, uh, around slave labor, around uh, uh, goods that were um, uh, conflict minerals, uh, conflict diamonds, or anything else that really uh, can can reputationally harm a company. So I really see uh, but, for the but Tom, Tom, you've ra- you, you've raised, I, I mean, you've raised some, I mean, the, I mean, I, I wasn't even sort of focusing on all of those types of issues that are just more than significant. Um, you know, you're talking about sort of company threatening type of issues where you can sort of avoid reputational damage uh, through through blockchain. That's a, to me, that's, you know, I wasn't even, I was sort of looking at it, you know, internally and in terms of this. And the, the one other thing I would throw out to you is, and see what you think about this, is the contract rules that you can install in your system such that if any of those parties you're talking about violates a contract rule, you are then you get immediate notice. It's not dependent upon uh, uh, you know an audit that occurs a year later or something else that happens. But um, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of the broader issues. And also, now you're saying you're also raising the possibility that I have to, if I have a buyer, I have to do due diligence and I have to get warranties as to where the money that they are coming to me to buy my company or buy whatever, to be, you know, whatever they're going to buy, that I have to make sure that that money isn't illegal proceeds now. Um, that's, what you're, that's what you're suggesting. Well, right? um, that's, it's not and, what and I'm that, suggesting. That, I that, think that's the law now. Yeah. But, but now, but what you're saying is, and you're right, this new sort of aggressive kleptocracy initiative, uh, people now have to make sure that they don't, they don't, that they, um, that they know that, and that they confirm that this money that they're receiving, uh, isn't, cle- uh, illegal proceeds. Very, uh, I mean, I think you've raised a lot of difficult, I mean, a lot of, gr- difficult issues but uh the one thing that i heard uh about at this presentation is it's not uh there's still you know the cost is still sort of high but don't you think that's with any new technology it starts out like that and then comes down with with use and with greater acceptance uh, a- absolutely a- absolutely and, and you're right we're at the nascent s- stage of this but I just uh, and and the contract you brought up, I, absolutely, I think that's going to be a critical area for obviously legal, but also in the compliance space because uh, how often does a chief compliance officer find out a contract's been executed some point thereafter and the compliance terms and conditions are not in there? The compliance officer was not given the opportunity because they were never told that a potential third party or other party subject to the compliance terms and conditions was even being considered by the company and that uh, the business guys went ahead and did it. Well, if you have that written into your rules, uh, you would receive notice of that as the chief compliance officer and you could append the appropriate compliance terms and conditions and then, as you said, be notified uh, on a detection uh 
the detection prong in addition to the prevention prong after uh, if there's a violation of the contract. So from the legal slash compliance perspective, I see lots of applications uh, on that as well. So like you could also, and I asked them about this, you could set up invoice rules. In other words, let's say I have a particular relationship and we have invoice rules on what are permissible uh, charges under a contract or a purchase order. And if those rules are uh, violated, I would then get a notice. Now, the transaction may have just occurred, okay? But think about the difference between, you know, hoping that an auditor or an accounts payable person finds this down the road, where I, as a chief compliance officer, get a notice of this right away. Um, I mean, that the idea of sort of real-time intervention and real-time uh, compliance monitoring to me could, I mean, I'm not saying we're all going to be sitting in, in front of a bunch of screens, but but the idea of getting these notices and a technology where every, there's, I mean, there is a shared ledger, distributed ledger, where it is, like you said in the beginning, immutable, it's there. You can go find the transaction. Nobody can go in and change it. Nobody can try to cover it up. You, you know, think about how many, how that protects your internal control system also. You know, you cannot go in and to circumvent controls. How do you circumvent controls now? It's going to be, the, it's a much narrower way of circumventing your internal controls, assuming they're defined and, you know, you have notifications set up. To me, it's an, it's an incredible opportunity to, you know, bring greater control over sort of financial and compliance and all these operations that occur that we are otherwise trying to find out about six to 12 months later in an internal investigation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you bring transparency, but you also bring the specific information to the person who needs to see it to make a determination of whether a, a remedial or appropriate action is is required. So um, it's it's a new technology. It was really developed around Bitcoin, but I just see so many implications for applications to the wider corporate uh world in a new in a number of disciplines and certainly obviously i've been talking about the compliance perspective but uh from the finance perspective from payables from internal audit from hr uh from um uh any money laundering if that's not under uh the chief compliance officer export control import control all of those can benefit from having that sort of transparency and coupled with visibility immutably that can't be changed yeah, I, 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 I th- and I really, I'm happy to, um, if anybody's interested, uh, I can connect them to the uh, IBM folks who are, uh, you know, working on this and uh, to follow up. I mean, they, they are doing real world applications of this, but, uh, you know, in, in projects for people. And I use the example of the supply chain for fish. Um, and the other thing you mentioned about sort of, um, maintaining control of the location of, uh, or the origin of certain, uh, products. Uh, one of the most difficult areas is actually pork in the, uh, in China, which is consumes or produces like half the world's pork is, um, that farmers were bringing all their 
kegs to this sort of location. And uh, we had a scandal years ago when uh, heparin, a blood, a drug that's made with pork belly from pork bellies, uh, was tra- and people died from tainted heparin, and it was traced back to uh, this market in China where they couldn't determine who, which farmers were bringing which pigs. Think about, and now IBM is actually uh, getting involved in this project now to track those pigs and create a, uh, a traceable way to get back to who was the producer of each, uh, or, you know, the, uh, uh, pig farmer. And it, think about the, the revolution. I mean, that makes safety that much better and traceability for numerous products. But this is, happens to be a drug that's used, heparin is used or blood clots and things like that. It's a huge uh, market uh, for clotting and things like that. So the what you've pointed out here, I think, is just a huge uh, revolutionary idea to not only compliance, but other aspects of business. But I hope that compliance, you know, will jump on the bandwagon and, and see the value of this. Um, and, you know, I offered my services, but of course, you know, that, you know, where that went, Tom, <laughs> uh, I said to IBM, I, I said, look, I would love to work with you guys and help on the compliance angle, how to put together a package of applications that would be helpful to compliance, chief compliance officers. But IBM has bigger ideas on their mind right now. So, uh, but nonetheless, I just see its application and I hope, you know, I hope you can keep the issue up in terms of making sure it's still, you know, uh, people are aware of it and follow up on it in the compliance arena. I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to follow developments in it. Well, we're going to link to uh, Mike's blog post, my blog post, and a couple of articles uh, I've seen on this in the show notes. But you're absolutely right, Mike. I think this is going to be something that we both need to watch. The greater compliance community needs to watch. And it really is going to be – it could be a game changer in ways that we can't even portend at this point. As always, it's been great, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I'm going to link to our uh, blog posts that Mike and I have had on blockchain in the show notes, as well as a couple of articles that I think will be helpful for you to get into this topic. Also, if you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast. It would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the oldest and leading podcast around FCPA compliance. Finally, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, and I hope you'll join me for another episode soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.